in the dead of night, when the moon is high and ill winds blow, and the banshees cry and the moonlight casts an unearthly glow, arise, my love, with tales of woe. Twelve midnight, the paranormal hour. Welcome to Ghost to Ghost. I'm your host, Chief Lawson. Ghost to Ghost is a podcast to discuss all paranormal and parapsychology subjects. You can find Ghost to Ghost on all major formats. So tell your friends, tell your family. Come listen to Ghost to Ghost. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Ghost to Ghost. This is season two and episode ten. Tonight's topic: skepticism. Tonight's guest is Jennifer Verne, our research manager and podcast producer. Good evening. And Heather Lawson, our case manager and podcast director. Hello. Ah, so we're going to cover the story tonight of skeptics. Why are there skeptics and why don't they just believe? I mean, you know, skeptics are one of the hardest things to deal with. And I think one of the first subjects when I was first time I was ever asked to be a speaker uh, as part of Spirit, I think we were down in Crawfordsville. And one student raised a hand, it was the university, and one of the students raised their hand and said, you know, how can you convert a skeptic to a believer? And I said, yeah, that's the magic formula. And I said, it only works one way. I said, you know, yep. they have to experience something to become a believer. Well, exactly. If they don't experience it, they'll remain a skeptic all their life. Now, they may... They may research it, they may delve into the subject matter, but they, you know, and it doesn't just apply to paranormal, it's anything. You know, I, I, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, like I said, paranormal, it doesn't have to be, you know, cryptozoology, ufology, any of that. I mean, you know, if you, if you, the biggest one that I get a kick out of is the flat earthers, you know, those that believe the earth is flat. Yeah. So anyway, I, you know, anyway, I, I you know, but all people, until they have some sort of proof in their mind, and, you know, Proof is a funny thing, and I'll tell you, um, uh, I was watching uh, actually a cryptozoology show the other day, and uh, Jeff, who is a um, actually a cryptozoologist and a uh, uh, paleontologist, I hold several titles, uh, but he's out of Iowa University, and uh, he was talking about the story where Jeff, or Ben Eagle and um, uh, Grover Kronz, two researchers from the beginning i mean ground grassroots researchers and bigfoot right. had talked about the field of science and this kind of applies to parapsychology too and so anyway he said that uh the Kranz told him one time that if they shot and killed a bigfoot and drug the body uh, you know even smelling to the point of decay to every scientific meeting they could find they'd still demand further proof and right. claim it was a wax right. figure he said you know there's some things that you just cannot prove to people right. until and you know i'm going the gentleman who prepared this today was our chief of staff andrew brooks and he has this wonderful 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 phrase when anybody asks him what are you looking for he always says i'm looking for the blinding light of the obvious yeah. and that's it i think most skeptics you have to show them the blinding light of the obvious before they say oh my god it's true and uh you know i think that's just part of it but uh the uh i think that when people ask why skeptics are the way they are i think that depends on how they were raised 
one. Oh, uh, for sure. You know, parents and everything, and, 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 and I think also the religious beliefs. Religious I mean, beliefs, yeah. You know, Definitely. yeah, I mean, I was raised with my dad. My dad and my grandfather both were into coast. They were into Bigfoot. So I got stories. When, when most kids were getting fairy tales, you know, the, the candy-coated versions, I was getting ghost stories and stories about Buck Rogers. And, you know, when I was growing up, or I, you know, when I was young, and I'll never forget... One of the things that got me into parapsychology, and that's another question I always get asked, what, what caused you to get in this field? And one thing was my dad, who was one of five children, and his, uh, he lived at the time in Newcastle, Indiana. His, my grandfather was an Army vet who had hired at, New, at Chrysler when Chrysler was open up there. And uh, my grandmother died, died very early on. Her name was Virgie, and she died very early on and left the kids. Well, my grandfather had to work evenings, so my dad was the oldest. He had, uh, oh, yes. yeah, you know, that was just common. So he automatically became the man of the house, and he would stay there at the house or hotel or um, um, apartment, wherever they were living. I don't really know where they were at the time, but they had to, he had to watch over them. And so, you know, it was, uh, it was a little different, and I said five. They had four children. He had two brothers and a sister. But he was the oldest, so he was the one that was in charge. And, you know, they would stay there at night. And I guess shortly after my grandmother's death, um, she had a habit prior to her passing that she would come in and sit on the edge of the bed, and she was part Indian, and she would part Cherokee Indian. She'd comb out her big, long, black hair and talk to the kids and, you know, say prayers and things like that. So anyway, um, you know... Apparently, one night, they were all kind of worried there was a storm or something, and all of a sudden, her apparition came in, sat out on the bed, and told all the kids, don't ever worry, you know, nothing will ever happen, I'll be here to guard over you and, and watch over you. Now, as the family got older, and all of them are, are gone now, my dad died in 16, uh, my aunt, which was the last living one, died last year, and so uh, my aunt was too young, she didn't remember it, neither did my earliest, my, the youngest uncle. The second to oldest uncle remembered it, but he was really awkward about, he said he remembered it, but he didn't really want to talk about it, and he never did. I asked my cousin, his son, you know, did he ever tell you anything? He said no, but that kind of inspired me to get involved into the paranormal. And then my grandfather saw Bigfoot when he was living in Arkansas. And Right, I remember that story. Yeah, yeah. and I, the funny thing is, this is a man that would kill copperheads and rattlesnakes with a hoe and bring them back to the house, you know, to show he's kill. And I mean, so he, he wasn't afraid of a whole lot. But this one shook him up. It's one of the few times I can remember that. And it was all over the paper. They'd seen six or eight different sightings during that period of time. So, you know, that kind of brought me from maybe, you know indirect skepticism right into being a believer but i think you have to and, and you know of course i believe the validity of the story my dad told me so it provided the proof i needed to get in but most people you have to you have to have the proof given to them directly and i think that's a big part of it that's so true now you know when you what brought you into being into parapsychology I have always been attracted and fascinated mm -hmm. to the bizarre, the unusual. Um, I grew up in a religious household. Mm -hmm. um, none of my family, my father's side or my mother's side, ever spoke of anything supernatural, ghostly, mm -hmm. it, very, very religious on one side. Not so much on the other, but still, no yes. paranormal talk. I just instinctively gravitated towards it. Um, and then in high school had my own experience which 
made me an immediate believer in everything I had been reading. Mm-hmm. Well, pretty much everything I had been reading. <laughs> uh, and then it took from there. And then my mother was always a skeptic until she had her experience. Oh, yeah. Well, that, and how about you, Heather? What got you into this? Uh, well, kind of like Jennifer, I've always had an interest in the paranormal, the, the other of my, you know, vampires, unicorns, dragons, you know. The fairy. The fairy. Yeah, the fae world. Yeah. Um, I, I also had experience, but it was in middle school. My, I, my family wasn't very religious until my, my parents divorced. My mother got more. Mm-hmm. Um, back into the church but she never really brought it back into the house she just kind of went and did her own thing but other than that just nothing really well and and some people don't have to have an exact circumstance or exact instance to bring them in i think a lot of people just interest i started reading when i was like nine i was reading hans hosler novels ones i get my hands on my dad would find them and bring them to me and uh where a lot of kids enjoy comic books i'd rather sit down with a book of ghost stories and read it out than i would anything else absolutely i remember when i was young one of the first things that we did in the movies there was two shows that came out one was the the monster of falk uh creek uh the it's called the uh bogey creek monster and it's how you want to say this it was filmed in a very um homeland version i don't want to say amateur because that wasn't the case i don't want to be insulted but it's done by a bunch of people who've never made films before right you want to call it maybe a ghost to ghost we'll continue right after this hello ladies and gentlemen this is chief lawson with spirit ghost to ghost and spirit indiana paranormal we would like to invite you to the Fort Wayne Paracon at 216 East Washington Boulevard, Fort Wayne, Indiana, Freemasons Hall, September 29th and 30th. Please come join us. Tickets are reasonable. You can get those online, and certainly we'll have a good time. There's some notable celebrities coming. We have Grant Wilson, Dustin Perry, and Chris Williams, not to mention uh, Brian Murray, and as we say, Sean Pittman, poor Sean. Dave Spinks will be there, Jenny Flack. And Dana Strickler. So please take the time to come out and enjoy. And most importantly, Spirit Indiana Paranormal will be there. We'll be on site. We'll be uh, shooting a episode of Ghost to Ghost. So you don't want to miss that. Uh, again, tickets are very reasonable. They can be found online. If you go on the line to FW Paracon, Fort Wayne Paracon, this is a first for Indiana. The first time for a Fort Wayne Paracon. First time for a Paracon in Indiana. So please come out and see us. Come out and see me. We'll be at the booth. We'll have the entire group there. Thank you so much. Now we return to our broadcast. Say goes through the front. He didn't open it. He just went. They were old wood doors. He went right through the screen door and took it with him. And right these two through. guys are right behind him with a shotgun because they know what's going on. But he did have some comical parts. But it was it was filmed in a very POV sort of style, documentary type style. And, and you know, I, I will say it had a hell of an impact on me. And then like three or four months later, they had the Bigfoot Expedition film, which was actually Expedition up to the Sierras, to Ape Canyon, which came out. So, you know, that was a hell of an impact. And it started me thinking, hey, you know, they'd be monsters here. <laughs> right. And, you know, yep. I, and, and why couldn't there be ghosts? Why couldn't there be anything else? Right. So my interest went nuts. I found myself watching, you know, every show I could find. And and there was always some on occasionally, you know. I got into the Von Donnegan, you know, Chariot of the Gods theory for a while, you know. But, I, you know, here I am. I'm 13 or 14. 
14. I'm reading stuff that would never interest anybody else. They were interested in sports in my school and that kind of thing, and I was not. But I think that helped motivate my, or at least shape my direction and going. And I, I, you know, everybody always asks me, what's the first coast you've seen? Honest to God, I've been doing this over 30 years. I've seen one or two shadow figures. I've seen a lot of things on evidence, but I've never come face to face with a full apparition. Correct. And, you know, I always tell everybody, I can't tell you how I would react because I don't know how anybody would react. You know, it's always the, you know, uh, our tech manager, the very first shadow figure I ever saw, um, he loved that because it was... I didn't expect it. I Wasn't really didn't. Was his ringtone for a while? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He thought that was hilarious. When we went through the review of the evidence, he heard me yelling, Oh, Jesus, and I turned around. So he cut that out, and that was his ringtone for me for like four or five <laughs> years. He he Because he never seen me ever get excited. But we were in a tiny little place in Cumberland, and I was coming down a hallway. And I, something happened, I turned around real fast, made a U-turn to go back. I was going, The hallway led to the bathroom and bedrooms, one-bedroom little place. When I turned around, I was face-to-face with this dark entity. It was a heavy mass. I could tell it was shaped like a human. But it was, I mean, well, I'm like nose-to-nose. So, yeah, I had a little reaction because I didn't see that one coming. And, uh, oh, my God, he thought that was hilarious. But, you know, other than that, I've never actually really seen an apparition. So, people, I mean, I've seen them on tape. I've seen them on film. We've captured them in evidence. But I've never actually physically saw at the time, at, you know, real time, so, you know, a lot of people go, well, how do you know it really exists? <laughs> well, I think it's like religion. A lot of it's faith. You know, you either have faith and belief in something or you don't, you know. And one of the greatest uh, things I can remember, and, I, when, and this comes in when you're arguing skeptics, one of the biggest world uh, of skeptic uh, debate is that of religion. You know, and if you get an atheist, you know, it's like a preacher told me one time, he said, well, you know, they never believe in God till they're dying, he says, and then suddenly they want to have a talk with a man. And, you know, I think that's true to a certain degree. You have to be in, again, like we said, you have to be presented with the evidence in a way you can't deny it as a personal experience, or you have to believe to begin with. Uh, The mind's a very powerful thing. It can do a lot of things for you. It can heal you if you believe that it's capable. And there's a lot of things there that you know that play into this and i think skepticism to me my thought is it's somebody's just absolute refusal to believe in something and you know it, it just you know that's just kind of the way of it and a while back we shot a video it's a youtube video it's on youtube on our channel we are by the way we'll be launching a new youtube we're redoing that it's gonna come out with some new exciting videos we're also gonna have some of our podcasts on there so look for that eventually coming your way but uh, if you look, you'll find the YouTube video on skepticism. And we had a young lady write into Facebook, and she asked, I'm a skeptic. Can you prove to me that paranormal exists? And no, I, I, you know, I'm not able to, and this is why I wrote her back. No, I'm not able to convince a skeptic of the existence of the paranormal. Then a skeptic can convince me of experiences of un- that, are, that are real. The belief of the paranormal is deeply personal belief based on each one's personal experiences and not changed easily. The paranormal is rarely made up of the blinding light of the audience. Uh, more often, paranormal experience uh, usually consists of the settled strange noises, unexplained shadows, and events that happen in the lucid hours of the night. But here is what I can offer. I have met many people who were once skeptics that had that blinding light of the obvious and now are believers in ghosts and the paranormal. However, I have never met anyone that went the other way, a former believer who became a skeptic. 
And, you know, that's one thing you can say about the paranormal you can't say about religion. There are some people who get mad at religion. They become an atheist or they become a Gnostic. And, and, you know, you don't see that in this field. And We um, may change our beliefs and we may consider other options and realities, whether that ghost that we're speaking with is a spirit from 1820 or 1600 or whether that ghost is a spirit from a different dimension or a different time lap. We may change, but we're never going to stop Stop. believing in the unusual. Well, and I think a lot of people are very surprised when I tell them, you know, we have skeptics on spirit. We always have had skeptics. And they say, well, how do you have, why would you have skeptics on a paranormal research team? Why not? They're the best ones. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because they're going to look at things in a very subjective mind. You know, Mm -hmm. they're they're not going to deny it, but they're going to say, hey, you need to help prove this to me for me to buy into it and you know they want to see that blinding light of the obvious as, as andrew says so many times and you know andrew is a skeptic he wants to believe but he wants to prove to enable him to be able to believe and i i think that's just reasonable i think that most people do and one story i love to tell uh we were having a paranormal university and we were at this building uh had three stories basically kind of two it really had two it was a it was what they call a, a, a um uh, it's a jaggered floor and there's a term for it and i can't think what it is but it's an architectural term so you can have eight floors in a four-story building because they offset the floors so each one's up a little higher kind of like a tri-level and so one wing is halfway up higher than the other next wing's up a little higher but they actually label them as floors and i i remember the grand lodge building downtown where i take young masons in they look at it and i go it has eight floors and they go are some of them in the basement i go, no no it's harry potter magic when you walk in you just get in the elevator because the elevator has all eight floors and they don't realize it and then when you stop and tell them that half the building is on one level and the other half's on the other level they go Wow, I go, see, I told you, I said, Freemasonry has a lot of magic. And we always joke about it, but it's the same way with this. It was kind of a three-story setting. So anyway, we had this group come in. We usually have six, eight people. And a young lady come in with her, her boyfriend, husband, I can't remember which it was. And I got talking to him. I tried to, before, the, before class began, I tried to walk around and talk to everybody. And I was talking to them. And she says, and he looked at me and says, I want you to understand, don't take this wrong, but I'm here for her. I agreed to come because she's making me come. And he says, I'm not a believer. I don't believe in ghosts. And I said, well, that's not a problem. I said, now, the only thing I'm going to ask you to do is be respectful. And, you know, as we're teaching a class and don't sit there and, you know, become a problem. Because I will ask you to leave the class. I said, without a refund. I said, you know, you can't do that because everybody else is here and they want to enjoy their class. He said, oh, no, no, no. And this guy was one of the most respectful people. He went through the classroom sections. Big, tall guy. I'm thinking he's like 6'6", six, 6'8". Six, six, he's a big guy, like a basketball player. And he went through everything without a problem. And so the investigation began. And, and he did tell me. He said, look, you know, he says, I've, I've heard all this. I've seen all the stuff she watches. I'm sorry. I'm just not buying into it. So I asked him, I said, do you want to sit the investigation portion out? I said, you know, we can leave some lights on. Because we'd set up in the cafeteria, which is kind of on the third floor. And I said, if you want to sit up here, you can. He says, no, nah, I don't care. He said, if I do, she'll be mad. I'll just go with her. I said, okay, fine. <clears throat> so, you know, I wasn't with their group. I sent them out with one of our experienced lead investigators. <clears throat> I think it's before either one of you run on the group. This happened years ago. So a few minutes later, one of the ladies in my group, she comes running up and says, I think it was actually Jamie, and she says, hey, that big tall guy just went out of here like his ass is on fire, and he's out in the car. 
in the parking lot. I go, well, what's going on? Why is he out there? She goes, well, I don't know. She says, I thought maybe you might want to look into it. I said, did you ask your girlfriend what happened? She says, she said, he didn't say anything. He, he looked pale, and he said something, murdered and mumbered, rather, and, and ran out. And I said, how did she know he's pale? The lights were off. And uh, I said, it must be really pale. And so I walk out, and, you know, this is like 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning. I knock on the car window, and the gentleman rolls the window down. I said, are you okay? And he was. He was real flush and pale. I said, are you experiencing any medical issues? And being, you know, being a medic, I want to make sure he's okay. He said, no, no. He said, uh, but I'm not going back to that building ever again. And I said, okay. I said, can you mind if I ask you why? He says, yeah. He says, remember I told you I didn't believe in this shit? And I go, yeah. He says, I do now. I go, okay. I said, will you tell me what happened? He says, not now. He said, but you come out before it's over with, and I'll tell you everything happened. He said, but I won't tell you now. So anyway, we went back in. We finished up most of it. As we're packing up equipment, I told Jim, I said, I'm going to run downstairs. I want to talk to this guy again. I walk out, and he said, it was like this. He said, you know, we were talking, and we were we had one of the boxes, which actually was a K2. And he said, um, they asked about, you know, this child they thought they were talking to. And they told it that, you know, it could come up and grab me of our hands. He says, son of a bitch, it grabbed my hand. He said, I felt this cold hand grab it. And I said, how long did it hold? He said, I don't know, because that's when I ran. <laughs> oh, and, Lord. <laughs> yeah, and I, I never will forget that. And, you know, I, I always say we converted one skeptic that night without a bit of trouble, you know. And, you know, it just, it, it happens. And I, I think that... Uh, Everyone who believes wants that validity that, hey, we proved to someone they do exist, you know, and I, I, that man that night was a believer, you know. Right, right. <laughs> I think that has to happen, you know. I've got two stories, one mm -hmm. where the skeptic became a believer and the other where a skeptic is still a skeptic. Okay, I'm interested. So, my mother, uh, never a believer, ever, even mm -hmm. when I had my experience, I knew not to tell her. Because I knew of her staunch belief in the disbelief. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until one night, and she'd obviously tell the story better than I, but she had gotten up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and came back to the bedroom and was stopped between the bathroom and the bed by two shadows that came right in front of her face. Mm -hmm. And physically stopped her in her tracks. Didn't touch her, but she physically had to stop because she thought something solid was in front of her. Oh. And from wow. that point on, she is a firm believer now. Wow. Right. My husband, whom I, our entire married lives together, this has always been my hobby, he was a complete skeptic, Right. Yes. Wasn't until I started here, and even a year after I was with the group, that he told me he had had an experience before we had met at one of his previous jobs. He had worked overnights. He was the only one in the facility. He's computer IT guy. He was doing yeah. something with the servers or backlogging or something. And this is like later that. in the night. Yeah. So this okay. is. I mean, he worked overnight. So like in the one a.m., two a.m., three a.m. and the next co-worker would come on somewhere around 6 in the morning, I think, as he was getting off work to go home. Yes. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever wanted to be a part of the TV shows you watch, the paranormal television shows that are on TV? Would you not like to be standing there next to Jason Halls, Steve, or Tango, 
or any of the other shows, you know, and Adam and Amy and watching and looking for ghosts, well, here's your chance. We have a Paranormal University Master Class. I recommend this for people who belong to other groups. It'll help you. It's actually a parapsychology class. A whole semester crammed into one night. One night, folks. One night only. Sign up for the Paranormal Master Class. It's a lot of classroom. We have about eight hours, so it's a long day. But then it ends in an investigation. And it's a long investigation. It's known at a active site. Now, we can't guarantee ghosts on the ghost tour. No more than Jurassic Park could guarantee the dinosaurs on the dinosaur tour. But, hey... Ours don't get loose and eat people. That's the key to it. So, anyway, it's a great night. I think you would enjoy it. It's a minimal cost. The location changes. Just for the, you know, the information purposes, we don't give the information or the location out unless it's a public location until the night before the investigation. Now, if it's a public location, we'll advertise it. Go to our website, www.spiritindiana.com. Dot com that's s p i r i t i n d i a n a dot com go to paranormal university masterclass and look that up there's a video there <coughs> i think you would enjoy it and for those that really want to do that and want to come out this is the thing it's a small class you get one-on-one -on -one instruction i think you'd be very happy in taking it folks thank you so much we'll see you at the university now back to ghost to ghost and he was alone in the building, alone on the floor, and he heard walking. You know, the kind of walking where someone's wearing corduroy pants. He said you could hear that swish, swish of the corduroy yeah, back yeah. and forth. Okay. He heard that. And then he thought, oh, well, so-and-so's coming in. I can't remember the guy's name. And they all had those cubicles that had the mm -hmm. overhang, uh, the overhead cupboards. Oh, yeah. The metal yeah, ones, yeah. right? Yeah, I had, yeah, I would, I had one of those ones. those open and slam, that makes a very distinct sound. He hears this sound. So he's like, he's here. Hello? You know, yeah. who's here? Are you here? Absolutely nothing. So he Whoa. walks around. Nobody's in the office. Mm-hmm. Luckily, he's like, well, I think I'm done for the night. So he leaves. Mm-hmm. This day, he is still a skeptic. He is still skeptical. Well, but I, I think, in his defense, some people will, will write that off. I mean, mm -hmm. we had some stuff happen here that now, you know, this residence where I'm living now, and where I and Heather are living, and we probably blew off a lot of it in the beginning because yeah. it was new. We, we didn't know what the sounds were. Um, matter of fact, right before we began to tape this, before you arrived, um, we were sitting there going over research, uh, you know, material and everything. And all of a sudden, I could, we both heard something out here in this room, out in the office, that we heard something fall. So I told her, I said, oh, boy. Yeah, and I thought maybe one of the clamps had come loose on the boom arm. So I went out there to go see, because it sounded like kind of like a spring device sliding down. So I thought, mm -hmm. oh, boy. And so I went out there, and I go out, and there's nothing wrong. And Heather went out, too. Couldn't find anything wrong. Excuse me, just a second. Yeah, I went out to <laughs> the garage. I checked the kitchen. It's inside. I Thank you. The dining room. Yeah. I even checked the kids' room. Yeah, and I nothing. we couldn't we couldn't find I nothing. Found nothing. And both kids are sound asleep. I mean, you know, and the cat's sitting on uh, in the living room with the dog. And I mean, there's nothing going on. And so we still every once in a while have something unaccountable. And yep. and you know, I think that it's easy to say because you live here and you don't want to deal with it. Now us, 
Oh, we'd love to live someplace haunted. We love the fact that we have the mirror here and we have things that go on. It doesn't bother us. But somebody who isn't a believer, it's real easy to say, eh, you know, it's just something settling and blow it off. And Because one, that allows you to continue to work there without fear. And number two, that keeps you from happening. And I, you know, I always tell people, there are a lot of instances that go on in a lot of places. And I don't want to give these all away because these will be future broadcasts now that i got <laughs> thinking about them. I mean, there's some ones that were really good. But, you know, I've worked in buildings before where, you know, and, and firehouses are one of the things that are most haunted. And they're also, like police stations, they're one of the hardest things in the world to investigate because they're always manned. Right. And you can't, you know, firemen are one of the nosiest people in the world. They're good guys, but they all come out and see what you're doing. And, you know, they get curious because they're kind of bored at times, you know. So it's very hard to do that. But they also have a lot of very, you know, I've, I've heard accounts from other other stations and I mean, we've got an upcoming episode on, on public safety and talking about public safety stories. And I mean, I you know, it happens. But, you know, I, I think the law skeptics do that as a protection mechanism you know and, and and it can so you have any stories you want to add in heather no well i'll tell you i wrapped some figures i just got curious you know and i always like figures so i get a kick out you know 45 percent of americans believe in ghosts 20 percent report actually having seen a ghost now these are as of 2022 figures oddly enough though 43 percent believe in demons 77 percent believe in angels Less than 30% believe in climate change. Oh, <laughs> and one in 100 believe the earth is flat. <laughs> so, when you look at this, I mean, even Vegas wouldn't take those odds. And, you know, of course, the cable guy is always famous for saying that 61% of all figures are made up on the spot. So, you know, but that means really millions and millions of people have paranormal experiences. If you think about the population of the United States, now this was done domestically in the United States, but okay. you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people, and there's a lot of famous people. One thing we do in our, our orientation is talk about the famous people that believe in, in, in ghosts. I mean, there's a lot of people that believe in ghosts, and I mean, there really is. And it would surprise you, some of the people that believe in ghosts. And one time, one thing surprised me, the lodge that I go to, and we use it from time to time for training. It's a, it, it's a known active Masonic Lodge, and we have permission of the current master each time we use it. And there was an older gentleman, and I had a lot of respect for him, but we didn't always agree. As a matter of fact, we very rarely agreed. He was an older past master, and he was kind of one of these grumpy sort of guys, and he didn't speak a lot, but when he spoke, it was either very vulgar or very profound, or sometimes a mix of both. And so one night, you know, we had finished maybe our eighth or tenth investigation in there, you know, doing practice investigation. We used it to hone our equipment and everything. And so this was at a Masonic event, and I was sitting around, I was talking to a couple guys that just asked me, you know, what would you find? Did you find anything new this time? And, you know, did you find anybody new? And I said, no, nah, not really. I said, we're still trying to narrow down who all or how many can be here. Without Pete, he looks at me and says, well, I can tell you who haunts this place. And I'm thinking... You're just now coming up with that. You've known that I've been in and out of here dozens of times, but now you know who I... So I'm kind of thinking, is he screwing with me? Or He was very serious. He walks over, and one of our walls in the, in the, uh, in the uh, lounge has all the pictures of the past masters. If you've served as Master of Lodge one year, you get your picture on the wall, and it goes by the year that you were master. So he walks over to this guy's name, who's Ellsworth is his name, and he points at it, and, and this gentleman has since passed as well, but he points at it and says, that's the guy taunting this place. I go, okay, uh, yeah, I'll bite, you know, why do you think he's haunting this place? Why him? 
He said, well, I tell you, he said, his wife died and he had nothing to do. And that son bitch come here and hung out every day. He said, that's all he did was spend time in the building, find things to do, clean the building. He said, he loved this building. He says, I guarantee you this is where he's at. He said, he didn't love his wife that much. He wouldn't be with her. I thought, okay, well, all right, that's interesting. And, you know, he had some very interesting comebacks. I always enjoyed listening to what he had to say. But anyway, you know, again, I would have thought him to be a skeptic. You know, I just made the the poor assumption, which assumptions always are dangerous. But I assumed, because he, he never spoke to me about it, he never seemed to invest any kind of interest. You know, he's got two sons that go there, and they've never really said much. Uh, you know, and I, I've had some odd things happen, and we, you, you've been there, you've been there yeah, with us on, absolutely. We, it's a great ground, but you know, it, it, it's interesting to see who believes and who doesn't, and there's a lot more people that believe, matter of fact, we were getting ready to investigate the Grand Lodge building, and there was one gentleman, and he's passed now, and I don't mind at all saying that, I don't think he'd have a bit of problem with it, his name was, uh, St. Pierre, Michael St. Pierre, owned the St. Pierre Mortuaries, and, you know, um, we had announced that we had talked to the board of directors over at the Grand Lodge, and they'd give us approval to investigate the, the Grand Lodge building. And Michael comes over, and I knew Michael. He's the past potentate of the shrine. He was a big, big wig, and good guy, though. And he always found it interesting that I was in this field. So he walks over to me and says, can I talk to you? I said, sure. So he walks, and we were in the Sky Shrine Cathedral. He walks me over to the corner. He says, you need to look at the fire escape on the fifth floor. I go, okay i go what am i looking for he goes you know the ghost stuff i go yeah yeah i got that i said but what in particular am i looking for a spirit does it move he goes you just look at it and when you find out you come back and i'll tell you if you're right or not what yeah that's what he told me and unfortunately uh there was a change over the board we never once got to get in there oh no and now michael has passed away unfortunately he got cancer he went really fast and his uh, nephew paul st pierre runs the runs it now but michael was a great guy and you know but he was a member of a lodge on that fifth floor and he looked at me and there was another gentleman i think he's passed too gary lewis who was standing next to him and they both you know he was they were both deadpan serious when they told me this and but i like the way he said it you know you you investigate you come back and i'll tell you if you're right and the way that rooms work is each one of those floors there's two floors and they have a paraphernalia room right next to the lodge room and that's where this fire escapes that's old-fashioned metal escape you know you go out on a little edge you go down a ladder and we get to bomb when the ladder slides right, down it's right. one of those kind of things and um I just thought that was highly interesting. Now, you know, I would like in his memory to get back in there one day and look at that. The problem with the Grand Lodge building is you want to do that during winter because they have heaters. They, they don't, don't have, have air conditioning. No, no. The building is made where you're supposed to have air before. ducts through. Yeah, we 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 had problems. They we actually tested it and it actually overheated some of our equipment. So we had you know anything that has power, you have to really watch. So, but. Uh, but anyway, that's that. You know, that's always stayed in my mind. I, I think that you know, the easy way to end this episode is the fact that to answer the skepticism question is, you got to have something happen to you. If you don't, you'll always Definitely. remain that skeptic. Just now, keep an open mind and open eyes. Yeah, and, and you know, there could be something like the story you related where it has to be something that is big enough and and, and bold enough right. that it impacts you. If it isn't like the story you gave they'll blow it off and walk away right you know right and so and you know it, it you know it, it just is what it is so but uh all right well folks uh anybody got anybody else to add i think that's our program for this evening sounds so. good all right ladies and gentlemen we thank you so much for listening to ghost to ghost uh 
we uh, hope you enjoyed this evening's episode. This episode was written by uh, myself and Andrew Brooks, uh, Chief of Staff. Ghost to Ghost will continue right after this. Hello, followers. We're here at Ghost to Ghost. We would like to recognize a few of our loyal followers who uh, listen to our broadcasts on a regular basis. Again, remember, Ghost to Ghost is broadcast every 15th and 30th of the month, except in February. Why in February? Because there's only 28 days, so that's our vacation month. Anyway, uh, we'd like to shout out to some listeners. I'm going to let Jennifer go first. We've got Bess and Vicki from our Facebook page. Thank you so much, guys. And, of course, my mother, Bernie. Thank you, Mom. And then my friend, Sarah Lynn, um, also known as Mystic Storm. Thank you for listening, especially on the Mirror Podcast things. And I'd like to thank Raven which is family by marriage, and uh, uh, he would be my nephew. Nephew. Yeah, my nephew. So, Raven, thank you for listening. I'd also like to thank a good brother and friend. And actually, Raven's a brother now. He's went through the lodge. Yes, he is. So he's a good brother, and I'd like to thank uh, my other good brother, Troy Pace, who so often coined that wonderful phrase, you divorced my family, you didn't divorce me. <laughs> good good man. So, hey, enjoy. We want to thank all those that listen, not just the ones we point. But, hey, if you make a uh, posting on Facebook, we'll recognize you, each one of the broadcasts. So, you know, again, put something up there. Make a comment so we know you're there. Enjoy, and we hope you stay with us on Ghost to Ghost. Thank you very much for your listening. Now, back to Ghost to Ghost. Uh, it's now time for our ghost story with Jennifer. Ghost story of the day by Maureen Wood and Ron Kolick, a ghost today. Nicholas Cage's haunted home, New Orleans, Louisiana. As reported in contactmusic.com, the actor Nicholas Cage purchased the haunted Lalaurie Mansion in 2007 for $3.5 million. So far, he has stated his family will join him for dinner, but they refuse to sleep in the home. Cage mentioned at some point, although he was more willing than likely to be on his own, he would sleep there. He had been told that his new purchase, which is located in the uh, Via Carie, the French Quarter, was rife with the spirits of slaves tortured by Lalaurie Delphine. Keeping an open mind, Cage said he was aware of the legends before buying the home and knows that at any given point there may be several spirits watching him. He has been contacted by at least six parapsychologist groups interested in visiting his new home. However, ever mindful of the spirits and not willing to exploit them, Cage has refused their requests. One can only imagine what with the horrors that long-ago slaves endured at the mercy of Lalaurie Delphine, if Nicholas Cage will ever encounter a peaceful night's sleep. Thanks for listening to Ghost to Ghost. Again, I'm your host, Chief Lawson. You can find Ghost to Ghost on all major formats on the 15th and 30th of the month at midnight. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, maybe have a question or subject you'd like to ask about on air, or be used on the show, please email us at ghost2ghost at spiritindiana.com ghost2ghost at spiritindiana.com
I want to thank my production staff on Spirit, Jennifer Vern, our research manager and our producer, and Heather Lawson, our trainer on Spirit and our podcast director for helping make these podcasts possible. My chief of staff, Andrew Books, for his guidance and help on the scripts, and everyone else involved. Thank you so much. See you next time. Until then, stay safe and remember the truth is out there. Good night. Ghost to Ghost podcast and its contents is the property of Spirit Paranormal LTD, all rights reserved. We welcome you to download and play the podcast and share with others for personal use. You may not, except with written permission, use or distribute its contents for commercial use. Spirit Indiana Paranormal, covering the Hoosier State since 2002, Indy's oldest parapsychology investigation group. If you're experiencing what you believe to be paranormal issues, reach out to us for help at www dot spiritindiana.com or call our hotline at 317-883-9103 again that is www.spiritindiana.com or our hotline at 317-883-9103 thank you for listening take care of yourself and the ones you love and be safe out there